The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee and to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of the Lord was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. That's good. Uh, this old guy, Simeon, taking the baby Jesus. And then this is Anna, this old woman, who has something to, to say. And, and so, does, um, so does Simeon uh, when, when Jesus comes in. Can you imagine what it'd be like if <clears throat> parents brought a baby here and somebody just walked up and took the baby from them and started talking about this baby as being God's chosen one? What would you think? Would you think there was something wrong with them? Yeah, probably we would. Yes. Well, but that's what happened here with, with Jesus coming to the temple. But there wasn't anything wrong with him. He knew, um, he knew what, what was going to happen. And, uh, and he said these words, Lord, let your servant depart in peace, which is a song that we sing sometimes. And... Uh, and Anna, who uh, <clears throat> also blessed, blessed the child. So 
Um, it's interesting to look at these figures in the painting because people who paint always paint people to look like they look. So they look a lot like people from, from Italy where this painting was made. I wish I could scream like that. You know? Yeah. yeah. Don't we all wish we could? Yeah. Yeah. All right. How about if we pray? Okay. Dear God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. And we thank you for Simeon and Anna who knew that he was your chosen one and, and told that to everybody. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. You can go back to your seats. <clears throat> So it would be a little strange if uh, you were to bring a child here to be baptized and somebody just walked up from the congregation and took the child and started talking about them. You'd be a little worried and, you know, <clears throat> we'd try to separate the person and maybe we'd have to call the police, I don't know. Um, but, but just to give us a sense of how shocking this might have been for Mary and Joseph when they went into the temple. Um, it makes perfect sense that Mary and Joseph were taken aback by this when Simeon took their baby from them. They were amazed at what was said, but they also must have been a bit puzzled or concerned by, by what Simeon said to Mary after he had blessed them, which was, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. Here Simeon announces that Jesus is the light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to God's people Israel. But then, in the next breath, Simeon proclaims Jesus as the one who will be opposed and who will be the cause of a sword piercing his mother's soul. Beverly Gaventa You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> this is quite a day. <laughs> Beverly Gaventa, who taught at Princeton Seminary, wrote a book about Mary a number of years ago. And um, she's a Protestant, so she's not someone who is accustomed to devotions uh, up to Mary or steeped in devotion to Mary. But what she found as she researched the biblical stories, she was doing it from a womanist perspective. And as she researched the biblical stories of Mary and began to write, she realized that the stories terrified her because they touched on her own deepest fears about losing her own child. She was not normally inclined to psychologize the biblical texts, so she found this a bit awkward but she realized that these stories had their deepest claim on her as a mother, and that this was a reaction to the danger of the gospel itself. She wrote, Luke's soaring angel chorus stands in tension with Simeon's words, Simeon's canticle, 
And the warning that a sword will pierce your own soul too. Luke's infancy narrative concludes with Mary and Joseph's frantic search for a young man whom they are unable to understand. That's when they go to the temple when he's like 10 or 12 years old and he disappears and is <clears throat> in, with the elders and they're, they're desperately trying to find him. In Luke's story, danger extends even further as the Magnificat celebrates the downfall of all who are proud, powerful, and wealthy. The infancy narratives offer a down payment on all the disruption that the gospel brings in its wake, Gaventa writes. Because I grew up with a mother who was tough as nails inside the home, <clears throat> my brother and I as teenagers believed her when she told us that if she smelled alcohol on us when we came home, she would call the police. <clears throat> I never touched alcohol till I went away to college. So she was tough as nails inside the home, but outside she was somewhat meek. Uh, and I think because of that, the stories of Mary exert a powerful emotional pull on me. Mary was the kind of woman that my mother admired faithful and determined, but also vulnerable because she was a woman in that ancient time. I guess this is why I get chalked, often get choked up talking about Mary this time of year, like last Sunday in the sermon, where I <clears throat> had those questions that Barbara Brown Taylor said she would have asked that Mary didn't ask, that end with, what about me, what about me? Most of the time when I try to say that, I get choked up. And I think it's because um, <clears throat> this, this idea of humbling the proud, but yet being in real danger. My mother was always aware of real danger lurking nearby. I mean, I grew up in Garrison Keillor's fearmonger shop. You know, there was always something out there that we were warned against. And I'll tell you, it kept me out of a lot of trouble. And it's a gift that I've passed on to my children who are passing it on to our grandchildren. Um, <clears throat> because you have to think ahead of what could go wrong, what might happen. But it was because what my mother most feared had happened to her, which was the death of one of her children. All this is a reminder of me, to me of why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. He is the light of the nations because he was willing to die for us and that God vindicated his self-giving by raising him. He entered human life fully, including suffering and death. He disrupted the cycle of evil that leads only to death and Anna recognized this. We read about her that she never left the temple but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Here was a person who was seen as dispensable, a widow of great age. She could be seen as like Simeon, just waiting to die. But instead, she filled her waiting with the Lord, worshiping, praying, and fasting day and night. It was to her and to Simeon that the Lord's redemption and activity was revealed, not to the younger, more useful, brighter people. Perhaps that's because Simeon and Anna were looking for the Lord's redemption. 
They were expecting it and longing for it. This text challenges us to examine ourselves. Is that what we're expecting from God? Or are we willing to settle for a lot less? Just making it through another year intact, for example, or progressing a bit toward our personal goals? Simeon and Anna were looking for the redemption of Israel and of the known world. Their hope was not about them. Mary and Joseph were dragged into God's redeeming work somewhat blindly on account of Mary's assent to the angel's message. But that also was not really about them. It was about the hope for God's redemption of the world. What we are celebrating, the down payment on, the re, on a redemption that we have been longing for throughout Advent, is also not about us or our immediate hopes and dreams either. It's for the sake of the world. This crazy, bleeding, seemingly hopeless, hopeless mess in which we live. As those who are baptized into Jesus' death and resurrection, we can sing with Simeon, Lord, now you let your servant go in peace. Our eyes have seen God's salvation in Christ, Son of God, Son of Mary and Joseph, Redeemer of the world. Amen.